for some years now, I have taught students an inspector calls. And when we discuss Eric's behavior in Act 3, I suggest that we can assume rape as a result of Priest's description of his entry to Eva's rooms. I was in that state when a chap easily turns nasty. I threatened to make a row. Later, they meet again, not by appointment, Gould's coy reference to her prostitution, but in the palace bar, Brumley's brothel salon. We can assume that Eric has been wishing to see her and knows where to find her. The nature of the business transaction is not discussed. They walk and talk and then made love again. But Eric is clear that he was not in love or anything like that. There's something utterly distasteful about his comment that she was a pretty good sport, which implies an entitled attitude to the fact that she gave consent. A good sport might go along with things, even when they do not really wish to do so. They meet again at least twice more before she announces her pregnancy. The timescale is not clear beyond the first fortnight between meetings one and two. Eric is used to portray lust and gluttony in the form of drink in the moral presentation of the play, and his alcohol-fueled aggressive passion is clear for all to see and is admitted in his own words. The issue is how much further we can read into the words and what Priestley was trying to do here. If we take Eric's words at plain face value, we see this. One, he attended the bar with some friends while a bit squiffy, a lad's night out for the well-off Brumley boys. Secondly, Eva has a madame, the mysterious woman who wishes her to attend the bar, but she may not yet be under her control. They return to her lodgings. We can assume this to be a brothel or rooms under control of the madame, but Priestley is not explicit. In the third case, he's not clear about his actions. He's drunk. He may be telling the truth or he may not, and he's never pushed on this idea. Looking at the punctuation around, and I didn't even remember, how stupid it all is, is certainly suggested of, of a very troubled mind. That's the dash and the ellipsis. He avoids her for a fortnight and then returns to the bar where she is because, well, possibly because he likes her, possibly because he desires her. He slept with her and justifies it on his single status, a dig here at both Arthur and Gerald, and the fat old tarts to which group. Eva evidently didn't belong. He also repeats the allegation about the hypocrisy of the town's ruling class regarding such matters. This has run in the text since Alderman Negative was mentioned in Act One. She tells him she's pregnant and he does the decent thing in his eyes, which she refuses. Her reasons? He does not love her. Eric is upset that she treats him as if I were a kid and returns to the theme of his immaturity, which has been seen throughout the play. He stole money to keep her going. £50 is sort of three and a half grand in 2018, or around a year's average wage in a factory. Not an insignificant sum. Is this kindness or guilt? Who knows? We can spend much time hypothesising about the nature of the meeting and the baby. Why should we assume it to be Eric's? The question is not raised, but in this time frame, he's unlikely to be her only client if she's working as a prostitute. Is this another reason for her to refuse his money and or another aspect of his naivety? Obviously, we can read more into any of these statements. The inspector asks, and she let you in to the rooms? And we can take this as a reference to consent for sexual activity. 
we can read lodgings as meaning residential brothel. We can assume Eric is lying or being self-serving when he seems upset or concerned about Eva, though her positive impact, his clear and unavowed views about the strike and his uh, father's intransigence suggest that his social attitudes are more of Gould's party than of his father's. My concern is this. Whatever we feel, we need to base discussion on the exploration of the text. We can write off Burling's obsession with recovering the 50 pounds as evidence of his obsession with profit, placing money above the morality of girls of that sort. It's harder to write off the utter lack of questioning about rape by Ghoul and Sheila. In a post, hashtag me too, or hashtag I believe her classroom, the issue of whether this is rape is clear. The majority of young readers assume it is. And at this point, the contexts of creation and reception diverge. Reception post-2018 suggests rape and moves Eric to the highest position in the bad burling list, quite deservedly. The context of creation, however, may be different. It's doubtful whether any member of the audience at the time would have seen this as rape of a prostitute who has been paid, especially given the relative explosion in both sexual license and also sexual abuse by soldiery during the two world wars. It's particularly true of Soviet Russia, which was turning and still turns in some official quarters, a blind eye to the monstrous sexual cruelty by its army, by its army in Germany in 1945. It's possible that Eric's behaviour would be seen as a minor misdemeanour of a drunken young fool, rather anything as sinister as rape. We can't ignore this context and focus solely on the recent when we're teaching or writing about this play. Priestley chose not to make this rape utterly beyond doubt, and having introduced the event, he drops it almost as swiftly. The revelation opens Act 3, a long act, and is never referred to again throughout the act, despite ample opportunity. Indeed, the structure of this act is carefully planned to ensure that the focus is on the debate within the family, rather than on the actual dates done. One might expect Sheila, certainly, to show some horror at this event and introduce the rape as her trump card in the debate about avoiding blame. But there is none. The issue is the baby, briefly, and then the money, not the rape. Outcome, not process. How very burling. Priestley is writing a political polemic to present socialism as a positive. Eric is vital in this discussion, since he's the youngest and has been seen from the beginning of the play to represent socialist views in a positive light. He does not wish to taint his young socialist with the stain of rape. The naive errors of a guilt-ridden young fool who offers compensation for his actions suit his narrative so much better. His play is direct and offers a straightforward message to the audience. He does not go for the deeply hidden figurative meaning and uses ghoul to bring out his message at all moments. He does not do so here. He moves the plot on briskly towards Gould's closing speech and the fire, blood and anguish. He does not want to muddy the waters of socialism with this appalling action. As the act closes, he introduces Gerald as the voice of capitalism seeking to find a loophole to avoid any need to take responsibility for their actions and leaves Eric and Sheila united against them. Sadly, it seems that Priestley shares the view of girls of that sort, or at least does so enough to suggest the worst abuse of her possible before letting it drop without clarity or comment. It gets in the way of his political message, and so it is never pursued. 
Does Eric rape Eva? I believe so. Does Priestley give us the proof? I do not think the proof would convict in court. Does Priestley wish us to focus on this to the exclusion of his political message? I do not think he does. Does this render the play as unsuitable in the 21st century? Possibly. The context of reception may well have overtaken the contexts of creation. <laughs>